Hey, I just want to welcome you again to Easter weekend. You know, what a challenging and difficult time that we're in. And yet at the same time, there's an immense peace and love and hope in the midst of it all. Uh, one of the things, you know, that I want to just point out today is thank you so much for so many of you who are watching in different parts of this area and even around the world. We got people in the Tri-Cities and in Texas and in Southern California and even in the Philippines and China who are watching this. I mean, who would have thought that in the midst of this crisis, there could be such good that could connect us to one another? Hey, one of the things that we love as a church is we love to be generous. And there are two areas of industry that are really suffering right now. One is local businesses, especially restaurants. The other are the hospitals and the hospital workers. And so we came up with an idea this past week and we followed through with it. And I want you to know, because of your gifts, we've been able to give $6,000 in gift cards from local businesses to area hospitals. And so we just picked uh, all the hospitals in the region like Sacred Heart and uh, Valley Hospital and even Kootenai Hospital. And then we went to the local businesses and we grabbed $1,000 at each of these places and gave them to the hospital workers as just a way to say thank you while supporting our local businesses. So I just wanna say thank you again, Valley Real Life, for just your generosity and support during this time. I mean, isn't this the craziest and probably most likely the, the second most memorable Easter of my life? Uh, the first one being, I was on an Easter Sunday, I found myself in Red Square in Russia, singing Russian Christian songs in front of Lenin's tune. I went to a Christian high school, don't hold it against me, but it was an amazing experience. The snow began to fall and I thought, there's nothing that's gonna be more memorable than this. And yet, in fact, here we are. I tell my kids, I said, you're gonna remember this for the rest of your life. This is your 9-11. This is your Pearl Harbor. This is your Great Depression. And yet in the midst of it all, we can find ourselves looking at good, looking at the positive. And my hope is by the time we're done today is that you will walk away, even take moments inside of your house and say, yes, this was exciting, this was encouraging. I've got a question. I just sort of wonder if you've ever been in a season where you were looking for something, but you had no idea what you were looking for. Kind of reminds me of actually Christmas at a mall like this in the Valley where you're frantically looking for something for that special someone, but you don't know what you're looking for, but you know it's important and you know it's important to be able to find, to be able to give that special something to that special someone. It kind of makes me think about these special memories that we're kind of missing right now. I mean, my heart right now goes out to all the seniors, you know, who are not able to go through some of those moments, some of those memories. And I hope as a church, you know, that you know if you're a senior, if you know someone that's a senior, that our heart goes out to you and that we're gonna to try to find ways to love and encourage you through this season as well. It also reminds me of what we celebrate on a regular basis through our Easter season, which is our egg hunts. And as, as you know, these would be thousands of them. There'd be thousands of these little eggs and there'd be hundreds of kids over multiple hunts who would encounter an experience that they and their parents and friends and family would remember. And we're not able to do that this year, but it does remind me of two funny moments. One was a number of years ago, uh, I'll remember that we were in Arizona and one of the kids got so excited about getting egg hunts, getting the eggs during the hunt that he fell over. And I know we've got a picture that you're looking at even right now of him completely upside down and eggs are in the air and his basket's all over the place. And everybody went, oh, and his dad said, get up. And he gets up, his name is Timber, and he went, 
and he spit out grass literally, but he just started going. He just didn't want to end because he was on the hunt for more eggs. And the dad says, that's my kid. Uh, I'll always remember, I always love to hang around all of these hunts where the zero to three-year-olds, the zero to three-year-olds are my absolute favorite because when you say, ready, go, and they go and they find the egg. And they're about ready and they grab it and they want to open it and they want to eat what's inside the egg. But mom and dad or other friends and family are like, no, 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 you have to go get more eggs. And they're like, no, I want to eat what I just got. And it just got me thinking, how often have I missed what is right in front of me because I kept looking beyond or looking ahead. I was distracted by even what's beside me. The honest truth is that we're all on a hunt. Our hungry and thirsty souls are looking for something to fill them with. And sometimes we miss what is right in front of us. So what do we do? We search for relationships that we can fill our souls with. We, we try to fill it with busyness or we search for it in our careers. We search for it in food or drugs, maybe even alcohol, trying to temporarily fill what's inside. So I want us to do some inventory. What are you looking for to provide hope and peace in your life? See, in this time, I've talked to so many who are really struggling with anxiety, with stress, with relationships, because you're thrust back home again, and it can be incredibly, incredibly difficult. Some of you are just struggling with depression just because of the isolation based on your personality. Some of you are coping that with some addictions, trying to numb some of what you're feeling. What are you looking for that provides hope and peace? Uh, Is it in the news updates? Uh, I mean, so many people are in the news updates, but that just causes more anxiety. Maybe it's the CDC, the government, friends, family, your resources, toilet paper. I mean, people are like, I gotta have it because it makes me feel like something I can control, something that'll numb some of the anxiety that I'm feeling inside. It's okay to have these feelings. The question is not the feeling, but what are you looking for for the help to get you through the feeling. See, crisis can bring clarity in our lives. It really asks ourselves, what do we put our lives, our hope and our faith into while we're going through a crisis like this? Now, while you're thinking about that, go ahead and turn to John chapter 20. And let me just remind you of the Easter story. Jesus died on the cross and we just found out from Jesus and from others that the reason he went to the cross is to pay for what was rightfully our penalty for the sins that we have committed. But how do we know that the story is true? How do we know what Jesus said and what he did on the cross to others was true? It's the resurrection. If it's not for the resurrection, then Jesus just said some incredible things from the cross. But he's taken down from the cross. He's put in a borrowed graves. The Romans seal the tomb and put a large number of guards in front of it. It's Friday evening and Jesus's followers are scattered and they're in hiding. This is crisis. Just like us, they were in crisis. We're in a country and we're in a stay-at-home order. We've got people who've lost their jobs, schools that are now canceled, gatherings are prohibited, and people are getting sick and some are even dying. I was telling my kids, this this is your 9-11. This is your Pearl Harbor, your Great Depression. You see, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, just like what the disciples were feeling, but Sunday is coming. On that Sunday morning, a couple thousand years ago, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb for an embalming practice, but the stone is rolled away. The body is gone. She freaks out and she runs back to tell the disciples and she finds Peter and John and they sprint towards the tomb. In fact, some humor there. Uh, John is the one who's writing this account and it says that he ran faster than Peter 
to get to the tomb, but Peter, not to be undone, actually goes inside the tomb once he arrives. Peter doesn't know what's going on. He continues to doubt, but John believes in that moment, and then they leave. But Mary, she hangs out for a while, and she's crying, and while she's crying and distraught over what's going on, two angels appear, and one asks her, dear woman, why are you crying? And she responds, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. And then I want you to notice this passage right here. In John chapter 20, verse 14, it says these words. She turned to leave and Mary saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, what are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and I will get him. And that is such a powerful statement, you know, that Jesus says to Mary, what or who are you looking for? She confuses him for the gardener. Jesus is right before him. She's on a hunt to find Jesus, but she doesn't even see what is literally right in front of her. And it really got me thinking and praying hard this week in preparation for this message. Because what's obvious to others can be blind to what we're going through. In other words, what's obvious to others, we can be blind to. I mean, uh, how many times do I remember, you know, growing up and I've told my kids, you know, hey, hey, look for that in the refrigerator. And two seconds later, I can't find it, Dad. I can't find it. And I'm looking over there and I literally see what I asked them to grab. And it's completely blind to them. And then we use a phrase like this. If it was a snake, it would have bit you. And I know it's the same thing emotionally that emotionally so many people are in relationships and what's obvious to everybody else, and you might have a friend like this, what's obvious to everybody else is, man, that guy is no good to her. But she can't see it because she's in the midst of whatever it is that she's going through. See, even if we can't see him, Jesus is here. He's standing there in front of Mary and he looks at her and he says these words. Mary. Jesus said. She turned to him and she cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. It's fascinating that it was finally when Jesus called her by name was she awakened to the reality that he was really there and that he was really risen. See, I just want to remind you that Jesus is here and he's calling you by name. He is right here right now. You matter to God. Your name is matters to God. In fact, it tells us later that when we accept Jesus Christ, our names are written in the book of life. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you do. But Jesus is calling your name, John, Kathy, Rebecca, Stephen, and he's calling you by name this Easter. And it's a moment that we can pause and reflect. What am I putting my hope and my peace into. And it's not just Mary that has this encounter. Let me tell you about how the disciples had an even more engaging and incredible encounter with our risen savior. Let's talk about it. I come across some people who think that, man, if I ever come into a church, the walls are gonna fall down or, or sometimes we believe or think that Jesus or God is located in actual a facility or a building. The reality and the truth is, is that Jesus meets us 
where we are at. He meets us in our homes. He meets us in the situation. In fact, it's something we can identify with when it comes to his followers. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says that that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Think about that for just a second. For three days, they had been in isolation. For three days, they had been in quarantine, fearing for their literal lives. Then it says, suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he spoke, he showed them the wounds at his side and in his hands. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. See, Jesus meets us in quarantine in the midst of our crisis. Doors and locations are not a hindrance to the risen Savior. See, even if you can't see him, Jesus is here. He is there in your living room, in your place where you're watching right now. And he offers us peace in the midst of this quarantine. He offers peace. Because I know if you're like me, there's been times that I've struggled with some anxiety and some stress. And Jesus says, no, peace is the first thing that he says to those who are in crisis. As long as we keep our eyes and our focus on him. See, our circumstance, this circumstance, and the one we're reading in the Bible reminds me of another instance where Jesus had an encounter with his disciples. They were also in a bit of a crisis. You see, the, the wind and the waves were, were coming upon the disciples as they were in a boat trying to cross from one side of the sea to another. And here comes Jesus walking on water. The disciples think they're going to drown because of the wind and waves, and then they see what appears to be a ghost. And they're so frightened. Jesus just says, hey, don't worry, guys, it, it's me. And Peter says these words, Jesus, if it is you, tell me to come out onto the water with you. And so Jesus says, all right, come. Now I want you to notice something in this story. Jesus doesn't stop the wind and the waves. He doesn't take away the crisis. Peter steps out of the boat. And as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's able to walk on water. But for those of you who heard the story before, you know that as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank immediately. And what a reminder, especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Do we find ourselves stressed and anxious beyond what is normal because we've taken our eyes off the Savior? We've taken our eyes off of Jesus who gets us through the wind and the waves and the storm. See, when we encounter and focus on Jesus, he not only gives us peace, but notice that the Bible says he gives us great joy. They were filled with joy. See, they're still fearful of their lives. They're still in quarantine, but now that their focus is on Jesus, they're experiencing joy beyond the circumstance. It's amazing. Now in this first encounter, one of Jesus' closest followers, Thomas, wasn't with him. And the disciples, you know, uh, see Thomas a, a couple days later and, and they say, Thomas, you, you don't, you're not going to believe this. Jesus is risen. He appeared to us, but Thomas didn't believe him. He said, there's no way that I'm going to believe a word that you have to say unless I actually take my hands and I put it in his wrist. I actually touch his side. And I wonder if any of you have ever thought the same thing that somebody else has tried to convince you or tell you that Jesus is real. And you're like, come on, you're believing a fairy tale. How can you believe in the impossible? Well, I need to tell you that this next part really grabs my heart. And I hope for those of you who might be skeptical, it'll grab yours as well. Here's what's interesting. In chapter 20, verse 26, it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. 
So now that they have been in quarantine for 11 days, it's been 11 days now, the doors are still locked, and I want you to notice what happens. It says, suddenly, just as before, Jesus was standing among them, and he gives them the same greeting. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in my wound, in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. What a scene. Right in front of their eyes. See, Jesus meets us right where we're at, even in our doubts and struggles. It's okay to have these doubts and struggles. Just don't struggle alone. See, God is not afraid of our doubts and struggles. He just implores us to actually come to him with those things. See, maybe uh, you find yourself today feeling a lot like Thomas. And you're thinking, God, are you really there? Or like Thomas, you might ask this question, God, prove to me, prove to me. And so let me ask you this. What evidence, what proof do you need to believe that Jesus died and that he rose again? In fact, in verses 30 and 31, it says these words, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you have life by the power of his name. Call on the name of Jesus. In fact, don't don't just listen to me. I want you to hear from a young man recently who had struggles and doubts in his own faith. He was taught by his parents, and yet he went through a crisis. He went through a time of doubt and struggle, and yet God met him there specifically and tangibly. Go ahead and watch this with me now. Life was just kind of like flipped on a dime, just complete 180. My parents divorcing, um, having to transfer schools. I mean, after you know 20 years of marriage and only knowing one thing your whole life is a you know loving, complete family, and to have that kind of just, I felt taken away from me, kind of just, I think shattered my faith and not only my faith, but my family's faith too. Cause you know, after that point, I didn't hear a word about God for quite a while. I was, I was struggling with my faith on a daily basis, really. It was kind of just out of steady downfall for at least probably six months. And uh, I just got a random text out of nowhere from my youth pastor, uh, Brad. Uh, I was in service and they, we were, prompted by Dan to pray for someone and to invite someone to church and Talon had been on my mind. And so I just sent a text to him and just said, hey, you're on my mind. I feel like I need to talk to you. The response back was, I'm about 10 minutes outside of Ellensburg. I'm gonna turn around and come back. Do you think we could meet? I said, you know what, God, I'm looking for something physical. I'm looking for you to show me that you're in my life on a day-to-day basis, because I don't feel that. Brad shared his story with me of his first physical experience with God that, you know, just changed his mind. I was like, you know what, Brad, like that, oh, said, uh, what you just, what you just told me, um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something physical. As soon as I said the words physical, um, I, I just hit the table. He just cried. What I loved is that he didn't care. He didn't, we were in, the, in Buffalo Wild Wings and the waitress kept asking us if we needed anything and it was creating all kinds of awkward moments. 
you know, but he didn't care. It was like him and God were the only ones in the room. I'm sitting here watching this man interacting with God, surrounded by all these people who had no clue of what God was doing. I had to get baptized, you know, honestly, just pure joy. Yeah, when I came up out of the water and, um, yeah. I think one of the most impactful ways that God reaches us is through the relationships we have with one another. What I pray is that we would all just keep our eyes open to what God is doing and to risk reaching out to someone who might need to experience a moment with God. I think the advice that I could give someone is just not underestimate the role you can play in someone else's life when it comes to their faith and just know that God's right in the middle of it. If we let God use us in that way, we'll experience Him too. What an incredible true story of crisis, of pain, of a need to experience something real, something personal. You see, you and Jesus are the only ones in your room right now. He's reaching out to you right now. My question is, are you listening? Do you see him? He's there and you can experience him today, right now. Maybe you're like Talon, just struggling with the circumstances that you can't control and you're finally ready to surrender control to Jesus. Maybe you're like Brad and you've got an opportunity to reach out, to connect, to make a call and extend an invitation. See, God wants us to come out of this season better and more empowered than when we went in. We have this opportunity right now to make good of a horrific situation, to come out of this better as people and followers of Jesus. You see, one day this will all be done. One day we will all come back together and experience him in the way that he's called us to, with him at the center and us in relationship with one another. It's fascinating to think that the disciples were mostly in quarantine and isolation for 50 days after Jesus died on the cross. For 50 days, they prayed, and as they were praying, God's Spirit came upon them. And they came out of their crisis, they came out of the cross far better and far more empowered than when they went in. So how do we do this? How do we mimic what the disciples went through? I wanna invite you back to this next series that we're calling Thriving Through COVID-19. We're gonna look at what does God say about our emotional and physical, mental and spiritual health as we go on this four week journey. You see, all of us have a way to come out of this better than when we came in. All of us are suffering, but you know the greatest disease is not COVID-19. The greatest disease that all of us are experiencing is sin and the cure is what Jesus did for us on the cross, proven by his resurrection. The resurrection is the hope that we need today and forever. And so what is your next step? My prayer is that your next step, for those who've not yet received Christ, that you would accept him and that you would begin to live a resurrected life. Let your host know, let, let somebody else at church know, let your friends, let your family members know of this decision. It's the most important decision of your life. And I promise you that by accepting Christ, you'll come out of this far better than when you went in. If you're already a follower of Christ, let's continue to live in such a way to honor him by shining our light through our good deeds and through our love that we're gonna be able to share with other people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this resurrection moment. Father, I pray for all of those who are watching right now, Lord, those who have said, I give you my life. 
And if you're here right now, you've never accepted Christ in your own living room where you might be, that you would just say in your heart and maybe even out of your mouth, Jesus, I give you my life. And I pray, Father, that as people say those words, that you would make yourself known, whether it be as a skeptic like Thomas or whether it be like Mary who's looking for something and finally is revealed. Lord, we love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As always, be blessed. We love you. And I look forward to seeing you this next week. But before we do, let's make sure that we have a chance to worship God one more time in your living room, wherever you may be. So, so excited to be able to have this moment with you now.